Hello and welcome. You are listening to the $100,000 stock portfolio. This is a series where I am building a dividend stock portfolio from scratch with the ultimate goal of having six figures invested. My name is Ryan Scribner and I'm an investing junkie and online business enthusiast. I left my nine to five back in 2017 to dive headfirst into the world of online business. I have a rapidly growing YouTube channel and I am the co-owner of the personal finance blog, Investing Simple. Each month, I invest a few thousand of the passive income from my businesses into this portfolio. The brokerage I invest with is M1 Finance. Check out the show notes for a link to my channel as well as a free step-by-step -step guide on how you too can invest with M1 Finance. That being said, let's get on with the show. So here we are with another update video for my $100,000 dividend stock portfolio that I am building. If you guys are brand new to this series, we've done one episode so far, but essentially what I'm doing is documenting the process of building up a $100,000 dividend stock portfolio, investing in a commission-free brokerage, called M1 Finance. Now the response from the first video guys was amazing and I really thank you for that. I, I had no idea this series was gonna be so popular but I'm really excited about things now. Um, and this week I made a brand new investment that I'm looking forward to sharing with you guys in this update. And we're also gonna talk about the other stocks in this portfolio and how they performed in the last month. Now before we get into that guys, I do wanna go ahead and make a quick shout out to the YouTube channel known as Joseph Carlson. I did mention it in the last video in the description, but a couple people said, hey, you know, you kind of copied your format from this guy. Um, and I'll be honest, I did get inspiration from that, creating a portfolio and documenting um, my own investments. So if you guys are looking for another take on this and also some videos that are similar where someone is documenting um, their M1 Finance portfolio, make sure you check out his channel. I will link to it down in the description below. Now, the other thing I wanna mention real quick as well is that if you guys are interested in investing with M1 Finance, which is the exact brokerage I'm using in this video, I have a free training linked up down in the description below that walks you through the entire process step-by-step -step of getting started with this brokerage account, and it gives you a complete tutorial step-by-step -step on how to get started with this brokerage account. That being said, I just wanna go ahead and make this disclaimer that I am affiliated with M1 Finance, so if you guys do use my link down below, I earn a small commission in the process. And the other thing I have to mention here is that this is for entertainment purposes only. And of course, when you guys are doing your own investing of any kind, make sure you are doing your own due diligence. But before we get into the portfolio update, guys, let's talk about how much money I invested in the month of January, because this was a big month for me, and I invested almost $6,000. So let's go ahead and break those numbers down right now. All right, guys, so as you know from the first video, if you saw that, I told you that I am automatically investing $500 per week into my M1 Finance account using that automated investing feature. 
And that means I'm following an investing strategy known as dollar cost averaging, where regardless of the overall market conditions, I am investing every single week, which means that even if the market goes up or down, I am effectively paying the market average for the price of my shares. And since I'm doing a long-term dividend investing strategy, I'm not really concerned with the price that I'm paying for these stocks in terms of a plus or minus five or 10% range. But this month, I actually deployed a lot more than $2,000 into this portfolio. And that is because of what I call found money, which is money you didn't expect to have in the first place. And so I said, you know what, why not? I will invest this money instead of spending it or doing something else with it. So the first piece of found money in the month of January was an overpayment refund from paying off my Nissan GTR. I mentioned that in the last video, that was one of the things I did in 2019 to set myself up for a good year of investing. And I somehow screwed up my payoff quote and I sent them too much money. So they ended up sending me a refund check of $1,056.64 and I did not expect to get that check. So instead of spending that money, I threw it into my M1 Finance portfolio. Now, in the month of January, I also made a business decision to open up my stock market investing course again. And this is a course that I put together back in 2017. And so since it is a older course, the material itself is still totally relevant and valuable. It's over 10 hours of information and 17 different lectures. But because the information is a little bit dated and the videos are about three years old, I heavily discounted that course down to $97. Now, I ran a launch promotion of $25 off, and I ended up doing about 35 sales of that course. So after paying my credit card and related fees, and after having one refund on those 35 sales, I do offer a 30-day refund on this course. I ended up with $2,434.86 in sales. Now, again, I consider this to be found money because I didn't expect to earn this money in January because I had no plans to open that course back up until I thought about it and realized it was a logical business decision. Now, that being said, guys, if you want to check out that course yourself, I'm going to do a 48-hour discount with this code right here, which is FEB20 all caps, or if you use the link in the description below, the $20 discount is taken off automatically. So if you wanna learn the basics of investing, feel free to check out that course yourself. So that's my update there, guys. That is how I was able to invest almost $6,000 in the month of January in my M1 Finance portfolio. Now, let's jump into that portfolio and look at the progress we have made. All right, guys, so here we are inside of my M1 Finance portfolio once again. As you can see here, it has a current value of $6,484.16. Now, before we go any further, I do have to do a quick explanation here about why some of these numbers may look a little bit wacky. So for example here, we see my portfolio has a value of, as we said, about $6,400, and right now we're down $182.19. However, it's showing that my return is a negative 35.89%. Now, at first, when I saw this as well, I was totally confused and then also some of my returns down here didn't quite make sense. And that is when I looked into this and realized 
that what we are seeing here is something called a money weighted return. So I'm going to explain this very simply. It is a kind of confusing topic, um, but basically it's a return that you may not be familiar with because what most people are familiar with is something called a time weighted return. And if we wanna see that number, all we do is jump over to the holdings tab of this portfolio and this number makes a lot more sense. So overall, based on holdings, this portfolio is down 2.8%. So no, I am not down 30%, 35% here uh, based on my initial investment. It is based on the money weighted return. So with this return being shown right here on the homepage, each transaction within the portfolio is weighed based on when it occurred in the account. So most of us are familiar with the time-weighted return, which is the return on the initial balance of an investment. And like I said, that is visible under the holdings tab. And for the most part, that is the return we are going to be using to reflect the performance of this portfolio. So for example, the time-weighted return would be like investing $100 in the S&P 500 for one year and seeing your return on investment. So if you went from 100 to $120, that would be a 20% ROI. And the common indexes out there like the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, the S&P 500, they all show the time-weighted returns. And so this is the return that most of us use, most of us are familiar with, and we use it as the overall benchmark to compare our performance to a market index like the S&P 500. Now this money weighted return, which we're being shown right here, takes things a step further and it's useful in dollar cost averaging, which is what we are doing here. So in a nutshell, when there is more money in the account, the performance is given more weight. And when there is less money in the account, the performance is given less weight. So if we look at my funding history with this account, I essentially went from a $100 portfolio and then I ramped it up out of nowhere up to $1,000 and then I ramped it up really heavily this month by investing about $5,400. So because I funneled money into this account in such a short period of time, that return in that period carried more weight than the previous returns, which gives this a really scary number, but the reality of the situation is that it is not nearly as bad as it looks here when we consider the time-weighted return visible over here, which we'll go through these numbers in a second. And guys, as I dollar cost average more money into this portfolio and follow a more consistent monthly funding basis, these numbers right here will begin to be more accurate and reflect a more useful number. Because as of right now, because of the rapid funding of this portfolio, this data is pretty skewed right now and it's not very useful to us. So that is my explanation there, guys. And as far as my thumbnails go, I am still going to continue to use these figures in those thumbnails. Um, and hopefully over time, like I said, they will begin to make more sense and be a more useful benchmark for this portfolio. So that being said, guys, let's jump over to the portfolio activity. Uh, we didn't earn any dividends in the month of January. The last dividend we earned was back on December 27th. But as you can see here in January, the first deposit here was $500. 
The following week, another deposit of 500. Then I had my additional deposit of 1056.64. Then I had my third $500 deposit. Then I had my additional deposit of 2434.86 and my final $500 deposit for the month of January. So a lot of money went into this account in the month of January. If we jump over to my holdings tab, you can see that we do have a brand new stock in this portfolio. And that's going to be the primary focus of this video is why I've decided to add Walgreens Boot Alliance to this portfolio. Um, and as we can see here, looking at the returns, we have a slight return here so far from IBM up 4.72%. We are down about 4% in my new position here in Walgreens. 3M took a pretty nasty hit here on a bad earnings report, which we'll discuss in a little bit. So they are currently down 10.82%. We're up around 16% in Amazon, 13% in Microsoft, 15% in Apple, 17% in VOO. And if you guys missed the first video, these are all just 1% allocations of this portfolio because they were already in here and I just didn't see any reason to sell them. But if you guys disagree with me and you'd rather see me sell them because technically speaking, Amazon does not pay a dividend so they shouldn't be in this portfolio. Well, let me know what you guys think about that down in the description below and I'll read and respond to all of those comments. So that is how the portfolio has performed and overall we're down 2.8%, which when you're investing in individual stocks, you have to be comfortable with these fluctuations within your portfolio. Um, if you're not, then invest in conservative index funds because you won't see that type of fluctuation occurring uh, where you may see, like I said here, a 10% drop in a stock I just started acquiring because of the fact that they reported bad earnings, but we will talk about that in a minute. All right, so let's start off by talking about the newest addition to my portfolio, and that is a company called Walgreens Boots Alliance. And so this is a very logical pick, in my opinion, for this portfolio based on the dividend yield, as well as some other fundamental indicators like the price to earnings ratio. So I wanted to put a healthcare stock in this portfolio, and I was debating on whether or not I wanted to invest in CVS stock or Walgreens Boots Alliance. And real quick, guys, I want to do a shout out here to PPC Ian. He has a great YouTube channel that is solely dedicated to his strategy of dividend investing. And he put together a really helpful video analysis on Walgreens stock. I'll put a card in the corner and I'll link to it in the description below. And that video was really helpful for me making my decision of whether or not I wanted to buy Walgreens stock or did I want to buy CVS stock. Now, earlier in 2018, I believe it was, or it may have been 2019, I can't remember exactly, but General Electric was booted from the Dow, which is the 30 uh, you know, companies that are seen as very reputable, uh, reliable companies. General Electric fell out of favor. Walgreens Boots Alliance replaced them in the Dow. And it's funny because oftentimes these new components of the Dow end up doing really poor in the short term. So if we look at the overall performance here of Walgreens stock in, I'm just going to call it Walgreens from here on out. We'll explain the Boots Alliance part in a minute. You will begin to see why I decided to begin investing in this stock. So over the last six months, 
um, it's actually gone up and then it came back down here. But if we look at more of a longer term here, uh, we can see this stock has been in a bit of an overall decline over the last five years, which has given it a really strong dividend yield. So as far back here, if we're looking at, you know, somewhere around July of 2015, this stock was around $95 per share, and now it is trading at $51 per share. So it's right near a five-year low to be purchasing a dividend aristocrat. And if you guys are not familiar with what that means, that means this company has grown their dividend every single year consecutively for more than 25 years, which is a really prestigious award for this company to have. And if you want that specific number, well, this company has been growing dividends for 44 consecutive years. So I'm very confident in the dividend that they currently offer here, which right now is a yield of 3.52%. And in my opinion, based on the charting, I'm not saying in the short term, this may go down five or 10%. But if we look at the next five years of ownership of this stock, I would expect this to be a pretty decent entry point to start dollar cost averaging into this healthcare giant. So I just wanna to read to you guys the profile here of this company. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, just to give you a general idea. Walgreens Boots Alliance operates over 15,000 locations in 50 states and 25 countries. The core defensive positioning is primarily around the pharmacies that are placed in high traffic locations. I'm sure we've all been to a Walgreens store or we have been to a Boots store if you live over in the UK. Currently, the company has the largest retail pharmacy market share, around 20% excluding mail, which provides significant cost advantages and scale. Annually, the company generates over $140 billion in revenue, consisting of U.S. retail pharmacy, around 75%, international pharmacy, around 10%, and pharmaceutical wholesale, around 20%. So in a nutshell, through the three different entities, all under the one name here, Walgreens, Boots, and Alliance Healthcare are involved in the pharmaceutical retail space as well as the general beauty retailer through the Boots stores. And then through the Alliance Healthcare, it is in the field of uh, healthcare supply. Now, overall, one of the core reasons why I chose Walgreens stock over CVS stock, solely looking at what this company's been doing in the last couple of years, I prefer Walgreens based on the fact that CVS began following this strategy of acquisitions through debt. Now, this was massive news last year in 2019, and that is when CVS purchased a massive health insurance company called Aetna for an astounding $69 billion in both cash and stock. So for me personally, I didn't like this acquisition through debt and diluting the outstanding shares for shareholders. So overall, I just didn't like this strategy. And not to mention, there were a few other reasons why I made this decision. So another one of the reasons here is that Walgreens currently offers a dividend yield of 3.52% at a price to earnings ratio of 12.8. If you don't know what this is, we're going to explain that in just a minute. I wanna compare this to CVS, which currently offers a dividend yield of 2.95% at a price to earnings ratio of 20.12. So based on the earnings of these companies, we derive the price to earnings ratio, which shows you how expensive or how cheap these shares are based on the relative earnings of these companies. 
And basically, since Walgreens has a much lower PE ratio than CVS, they are significantly less expensive. This company here is 20 times their earnings in terms of the share price, whereas Walgreens stock is trading at just 12.8 times their earnings. And so basically, both of these stocks, in my opinion, are what I would call cheap based on that price to earnings ratio. However, Walgreens is what I would call really cheap trading at a 12.8 PE ratio. For comparison's sake here, if we look at the overall S&P 500, which is the 500 largest publicly traded companies on the US stock exchanges, well, the PE average is 24.38. So Walgreens stock is give or take about 50% less expensive based on their earnings than the average market right now. And even CVS is less expensive than the market average. And that PE ratio is one of these helpful indicators. It's not the only one, but it does give you an idea of whether or not this company is expensive or cheap based on other companies in that industry or based on the overall market. So based on that PE ratio, I was comfortable diving in to Walgreens stock. So to circle back now, I know we mentioned the fact that this is called Walgreens Boots Alliance Inc. And I want to explain exactly why that is right now. So basically, a lot of people don't realize this, but through Walgreens stock, you also own a pharmacy slash beauty retail chain in the United Kingdom known as Boots Hence the name Walgreens Boots Alliance. That's where the first two parts come from. However, there's also a third company in the mix here, which is Alliance Healthcare. Now, Alliance merged with Boots in 2006 to form a company known as Alliance Boots. Then, in late 2014, Walgreens purchased Alliance Boots. So through this stock, you get exposure to both the US and UK retail store slash pharmacy chains as well as a large medical supply company called Alliance Healthcare, giving you diversified exposure to the healthcare space. Now, as I'm sure you guys can guess here, one of the reasons why this stock has tumbled recently is based on the good old Amazon effect. And essentially that means a lot of these companies operating these retail stores are worried about what is going to happen with Amazon. Now, Amazon just recently launched this company called PillPack, by Amazon Pharmacy, which is essentially an automatic delivery service for your prescriptions. So obviously this is a massive threat to retail pharmacies because if people are getting their medications delivered to them in the mail, well then they're not going to these retail pharmacies to purchase their drugs. And if they're not going to these stores, they're not walking through them and making additional purchases in the impulse aisle or realizing, oh, while I'm here, let me grab toilet paper and toothpaste because they are ordering their prescriptions on Amazon and not visiting an actual store. Now, long-term, do I see this as a threat to the pharmacies? Absolutely. But in the short term, I would actually have to argue that I don't think this is as big of a threat as it seems right now. And I think right now, based on the PE ratio, Walgreens is priced at a level like they're literally going out of business. And so my logic behind this is that most people out there who are taking prescription medication are older. And that is just a given fact. As you get older, you have more health issues and you need more medication. And the people who are using Amazon primarily is the millennials and the younger generation. 
So yes, 20 years from now, 15, 20 years, as this generation gets older, this is going to be a massive threat to these pharmacies. But I believe that the older generation is still sticking to what works for them, which is going to the pharmacy, picking up their medications in person, asking questions if need be. And so I don't see this as a massive threat in the short term because it's older people who tend to go to these pharmacy locations. Let me know what you guys think about that. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree? Drop me a comment down below. Now, the good news is that Walgreens and CVS are not sitting there just willfully blind to this Amazon effect because they are doing things to try to uh, combat this potential threat. One of the biggest things they are doing is offering in-store services because that is something Amazon just cannot compete with unless they're literally going to start mailing doctors to people's houses. So for example, Walgreens recently rolled out Jenny Craig at Walgreens stores where they will be offering meal planning and other one-on-one -on -one consultations. Similarly, CVS rolled out something called Minute Clinic where they offer quick vaccinations, screenings, and treatments right there in the store. And so by offering services instead of just the products, that gives them uh, you know, staying power in this market where it's primarily shifting to online ordering. Speaking of online ordering, we also know that Walgreens is testing out drone delivery of medication, partnering with a company called Wing Aviation, owned by Alphabet, aka Google. So they're not blind to the fact that people are going to be ordering prescriptions online and they are investing in related technologies. Now, another key differentiator here between Walgreens and CVS is kind of a topic that is sensitive, but that is the topic of should these pharmacies be selling tobacco products? So years ago, CVS came out and said, no, we are done selling tobacco products and Walgreens still does. Now, personally speaking, I don't invest in these SIN stocks. You wouldn't see me out there buying a tobacco company. But I will be honest, looking at this from a revenue standpoint, that is a big moneymaker for these stores. And so it's not my favorite reason for buying Walgreens, but it was one of the reasons why I chose Walgreens over CVS because they still had the potential to make money from those tobacco sales, which are ethically uh, you know, somewhat irresponsible to be selling tobacco at a store designed you know, with health in mind. So I'm sure down the road long-term, they will also ban these product sales eventually, but for the time being, this is an advantage they have over CVS in terms of revenue. Now, another important thing to mention here when talking about Walgreens is that they have also been purchasing Rite Aid stores, particularly in the Northeast. And I actually visited a former Rite Aid store myself where I took my thumbnail photo, and that store had been transitioned to a Walgreens location. So in 2018, they purchased 1,932 Rite Aid stores and three distribution centers for a $4.4 billion in cash deal. Now, back in 2015, they tried to perform a $9.4 billion merger of Rite Aid and Walgreens. However, that was blocked by the FTC based on antitrust regulations, AKA if Walgreens owned all of the Rite Aid stores, they would have a monopoly on the pharmacy space. So instead they purchased roughly half of the stores and the other half were sold to the grocery giant known as Albertsons. So in a nutshell, what I personally see here with Walgreens is a dividend aristocrat with a 40 plus year dividend growth streak 
at going out of business prices when that is just not the case based on what I'm seeing. Um, now, in the long term, yes, Amazon is a threat, but I think right now people have just been scared out of this investment, and I don't think it's really as murky as they think in the short term. That being said, there is a major con here with Walgreens, and I'm going to credit, again, PPC Ian for pointing this out, and that is what exactly is the moat here for Walgreens uh, in the Booth store here? Because looking at my other investments here, looking at IBM and 3M, one of the major assets that they have is their intellectual property. And I like the way Ian put it in his video. He said, what exactly is the secret sauce here that Walgreens offers? What would stop Amazon from opening physical pharmaceutical stores? I'm not sure if they would, but what stops them from doing that and what isolates Walgreens from their competition? There's just not a really a clear answer on that. Whereas companies like you know IBM and 3M have all of these patents and technology and systems that another competitor just could not replicate and this protects them from their competition. But all of that being said guys, I am comfortable with Walgreens. I'm excited to be investing in this company and I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes long term. So right now my portfolio mix is 32% 3M, 32% Walgreens Boots Alliance, 32% IBM, and then 1% in these smaller pieces of my pie. And I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not going to buy another stock for a while because if I do see a good sale taking place, I will. But I would say based on where I'm at right now, it's unlikely. I may just stick with these three stocks for now uh, before I find another company in a different industry that I want to diversify into. So moving on now, let's cover an update here on IBM stock. If we jump over to the holdings tab, my current return on investment in a very short period of time is 4.72%. So overall, I'm very excited about my IBM investment. So in the month of January, we found out that IBM is working with a fintech company called Broadridge to offer cloud-based services to their clients through private cloud offered by IBM. A lot of people may be familiar with this company and not even realize it, this is one of the companies that is responsible for mailing out those voting proxies when you are a owner of a publicly traded company with voting rights. So if you've ever received a voting proxy in the mail, there is a good chance that it actually came from Broadridge. Another big piece of news under IBM, under the blockchain arm, is they secured a patent for a self-aware token designed to record events of offline transactions. We also saw IBM's artificial intelligence technology on display at the 62nd annual Grammys. According to Tech Republic, the team at IBM took over 18 million documents and data sources on this year's Grammys nominees and distilled them down to the most interesting nuggets about each of the artists to create a modern day version of the 90s pop-up video. So kind of an interesting use of their technology and getting back into the public eye and essentially reminding people, hey, this company still exists. And then finally, the piece of news I'm really excited about, their quarterly earnings report was really good. After five straight quarters of decline, IBM showed some revenue growth for their earnings report this month. They ended up with a top line and bottom line beat, which means the earnings and revenue beat what Wall Street analysts were expecting. And essentially what they said here is that the Red Hat merger is paying off and the cloud business is growing. And Red Hat 
get $1 billion in revenue for the first time ever. And honestly, guys, I love that Red Hat company. It's kind of a thorn in my side because a couple of years ago, somebody recommended that I invest in it. And I don't personally take stock tips because they're you know, a dime a dozen out there. But Red Hat was one that really did pay off. Uh, but I'm glad that IBM owns it and I'm glad I have a piece of that company. And the cloud business is still growing rapidly as well. They saw 20% plus growth in both cloud and Red Hat in this quarter. And they're also largely focused on paying down debt at this time. So overall, this was a great quarter for IBM. It may be a sign of things to come after a long period of decline. And this may get new investors excited about getting into IBM. So we may see a bit of a rally here in the short term with this stock. So finally, we saved the worst for last in this case here, or the best, depending on how you look at it. And this is 3M. I'm down just about 11% in this stock, and they ended up having a really bad earnings report very recently here, which dropped the stock. And so that is why in the short term, I am down on 3M. So here's what we found out. Last week on Tuesday, 3M reported earnings that were not so great, and the stock dropped 5.72%. And here's the thing, guys, like I said, as an individual stock investor, you need to be comfortable stomaching these highs and the lows. If you're not comfortable with that, that is why they have index funds and other types of diversified products that you can invest in. So essentially, here's what came out in the earnings report. They reported earnings of 215 a share versus 210 expected, but there were a number of charges related to restructuring and litigation giving them adjusted earnings of $1.66. Essentially, these figures were not accounted for or planned for. They also lowered their forward-looking guidance for 2020, which is something that analysts just don't like to see. They announced they expect to earn $9.52 a share in 2020 versus Wall Street expectations of $9.59 per share. Now, this isn't a huge deal. We're talking $0.07, cents, but... This is something we have to consider here that 3M has not been doing very well over the last year. I mean, if we look at the last year for this stock, they went from 220 a share down to like 150 during a time when the market is just roaring ahead. So a lot of investors may be frustrated here and some people may have just been ready to jump ship. Then we had a bit of a phantom rally here and then we came back down to earth. Now we're trading around, like I said here, 160 per share. Earnings guidance was cut multiple times in 2019, which essentially means the amount of money this company expected to earn in the future, they offer figures on this and then they change their mind and lower that figure. It's just something that investors and analysts do not like to see. Overall, the segments that we're hurting right now are the safety and industrial division, as well as the transportation and electronics division. They are also involved in more litigation over PFAs, which are a harmful substance that they were producing and it's been found to be harmful to the public health. This is a type of chemical that was manufactured from the 1940s to the early 2000s. Here's what the CEO had to say on the matter. He said 3M discovered and voluntarily informed the EPA and appropriate state authorities that discharges from our Decatur, Alabama facility may not have complied with permit requirements. We immediately idled the relevant processes and took steps to address these issues. And also we have seen that industrial activity has tapered off in the US and China. As we mentioned in the first video, 
3M operates in many of these cyclical industries. So when you see a slump in manufacturing over in China and in the US and on the industrial side, well, that is going to hurt 3M as they are a key supplier of products and components for this manufacturing. We also saw auto sales fell 8% in China in 2019, which led to retraction in the transportation and electronics division. And also, Boeing halted the production of the 737 MAX in 2019. And since 3M supplies aerospace products, this has hurt them as well. They also announced they would be cutting 1,500 jobs in an effort to save as much as $120 million. So we got a plethora of bad news here additional litigation, lowering forward-looking guidance, and we also found out that they were laying off a number of their employees. But the important thing to realize here is this is all short-term, nothing to do with the long-term outlook or trajectory of this company, in my opinion. Look at it right here, guys. 1902, that's how long this company's been around. They're gonna be around for a lot longer. Nothing is happening in the long term here that is going to threaten 3M. And then we have one final wild card in the mix here for 3M, and that is coronavirus. So one side of this argument is that this is going to hurt China and hurt sales over there in terms of manufacturing and related industries. On the other side of the token, who makes all of the masks? 3M is a huge producer of medical masks, respirators, and they are massively ramping up production to meet demand based on the coronavirus. So it could help them or it could hurt them based on those two scenarios. So it is a total wild card. So anyways, guys, that is going to wrap up this month's update. I was actually kind of happy to see a bit of a retraction here. And I'm not just saying that. I think it makes it more entertaining and more valuable for you guys. And it gives you a more realistic idea of what starting positions look like in the stock market. So it's been a really interesting month. Um, at one point, I was up like 10 or 11% in IBM. But we've seen some market pullback related to concerns over this coronavirus uh, and some other factors in general. But I'm excited to dollar cost average, more money into this portfolio, and update you next month. If you wanna see all of these updates, subscribe and hit that bell for notifications. As mentioned earlier, if you want a step-by-step -step training on how to invest with M1 Finance, that is down in the description below. And I'm also offering that 48-hour only discount on my stock market investing course with the discount code FEB20. With the discount, that's literally gonna cost you $77 for a 10 plus hour course on investing in the stock market. And I offer a 30 day, no questions asked refund policy. If you buy the course and you don't find it's helpful to you, shoot me an email and I will give you a refund, no questions asked. So all the links are down below guys. Thanks so much for watching and I will see you in the next video. All right, guys, that's going to wrap up this show. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you stuck around to the end, please take one minute and leave me an honest review of this podcast. As always, you can check me out on YouTube for more content or feel free to grab my free training on investing with M1 Finance for beginners. This is the exact brokerage I personally invest with. Those links are in the show notes. See you next month.